No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special, and Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite Armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. It wasn't a hard choice to continue on with the homesteading just because as I've become more understanding of really what this lifestyle entails, it's really what keeps us grounded. I think it's what can keep a lot of humans grounded. And it just reminds us of kind of where we are in the bigger picture of things. It makes sure that we're staying connected to nature and the processes around us that are really easy to lose in our modern world. And there's just something about it that I think for that reason, I'll always partake in this lifestyle, even if when it makes our life a little more complicated, because I, I think it's really important. We really need that. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. As young newlyweds, Jill Winger and her husband asked themselves one question that forever changed their lives. Why do we have to do it like everyone else? They set out on a quest for the answer, one path leading them to Impulse Buy, a neglected farmstead 40 miles away from the nearest grocery store. Little did they know that an old homestead would create such a vast shift in the trajectory of their lives. They were now pursuing a path of homesteading. Now, Jill is founder of the Prairie Homestead, a cornerstone of the modern homesteading movement since 2010. She is passionate about teaching old-fashioned skills and encouraging a more thoughtful, time-honored approach to modern life. I'm so excited for her to join me, and today Jill will discuss how to begin homesteading with a small amount of land, how culture romanticizes chores and chickens, and how she relaxes with so many daily responsibilities on her plate, and so much more. I quickly want to share my minimalist resource with you this week. So I must have been living under a rock because I really haven't followed Mel Robbins' work until recently. I've heard of her before, but I'd never followed along with her books or anything that she'd been doing. I ended up hearing her on a Rich Roll episode, and I was curious and decided to listen to her podcast. I've only listened to a few, but I stumbled upon one, and it's called Feel Like Giving Up Before You Say Beep It. Listen to this. And again, this is a family-friendly show, so I try to censor myself. But this episode went live on January 9th and spoke to the idea of perseverance, how to persevere when we feel like giving up. The one thing that I took away from this episode was why those moments are actually good for us. And I had a moment just over the weekend where I had to take what I'd learned in this podcast episode and apply it in the moment. So I'm training for the Columbus Half Marathon I'm not a runner, I'm a jogger, but I have run a handful of half marathons before. I'd never trained, it was always a last minute decision that I would sign up for. That said, 
That may sound crazy to some of you, but I think it's crazy to train for 12 weeks. That means showing up minimum four times a week for a workout. That, for 12 to 15 weeks, seems a lot more challenging than to go out and run for a couple of hours. So anyways, all that to say, I've been training for this half marathon, and I'm starting to get into the longer runs. I had a moment where I saw where I could turn back to go to my house. I so badly wanted to turn back and go to my house. And I remembered this episode of Mel Robbins' podcast. And she says, when you get to that zone where you want to say, I quit, I'm done. That is the moment. That is that pivotal moment where you push harder and you go and you don't give up. That is that pain threshold that you need to overcome in order to get to that next point. And I'm sure that there is an instance where we don't want to push ourselves too hard to injure ourselves or what we're not actually capable of. But I knew in the moment my body was capable of continuing on. I know in the moments of where I feel like I'm so frustrated with my kids, I can choose patience as opposed to being reactive. Fill in the blank for your own experience. But I knew in that moment, don't give up. You're not going to feel great if you don't show up for yourself. You wanted to commit to this. You can do it. You're capable. The body is capable. Your mind is capable. And slow and steady, I completed the run. I emphasize slow and steady. But again, thanks to Mel Robbins for this episode. I'll include it in the show notes for you if you'd like to listen. All right, that's it for now. Let's get to the conversation with Jill Winger. Jill, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have you here as well. I think I was scrolling through podcasts and your podcast had come up. And I will say you're not supposed to technically judge a book or I guess a podcast by its cover, but I loved the cover art for your podcast. So I went to your social media, found you, started following along. And I was really excited to have you here to talk about homesteading. Maybe it's just a topic that I'm very curious about, but I feel like I'm starting to find that a lot of people in my life are also interested in homesteading or just living a more natural, traditional lifestyle. So can't wait to pick your brain. But before we get there, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself if you consider yourself to be a minimalist? Sure. So my name is Jill Winger, and I've been living out here on the Wyoming Prairie since 2008. And so we were kind of homesteading before it became a thing. I feel like a little bit of the grandma of the homestead blogger world because... It wasn't cool when we started. It was weird. And a little bit into that journey, I started my blog, theprairiehomestead.com, which gave me a way to share our lifestyle, but also kind of build a community around these old-fashioned skills and ideas. And that, as over the last 14 years, has morphed into a podcast, which we call Old Fashioned on Purpose, and social media pages, YouTube channel. I have a, a book coming out this fall. So it's become a whole platform, which has become our family's bread and butter, which is just kind of crazy to think about since it started off with me growing a garden and canning. But it's a lifestyle that we're really passionate about. As far as me being a minimalist, I wouldn't call myself that in the traditional sense of the word. But I think that homesteading really lends itself well to less consumerism. That's a really big part of what we do. And just really asking ourselves a lot, do I need this? Do I need to be doing this? What can I cut out? Is this necessary? And so I have a lot of those minimalist tendencies, even though maybe I'm not in the official definition. Absolutely. Did you grow up on a farm or have you always lived in Wyoming? No, actually. So I I was raised like your typical 90s kid in like this little suburban neighborhood, just very normal, very typical, conventional. My mom and dad weren't into organic or anything like that. So it was something that I had in me since I was tiny. I wanted farms. I wanted horses. I wanted rural life. I don't know where it came from. It just was like this weird compulsion. I mean, I was a weird kid. I didn't have a lot of friends because I was more worried about animals and horses than I was like what the other normal girls were doing. 
but I was raised in Idaho and then I moved to Wyoming when I was 18 to go to college for equine studies. So that kind of kickstarted the whole path. Okay. Okay. And then how many kids do you have? We have three. I have a 12 year old, a 10 year old and a seven year old and it's girl, boy, girl. So we homeschool. So they keep us busy. Lots of stuff going on with them at all times. It feels like. Gosh. And what an education to give them to living on a farm. I mean, that's kind of ideal. I mean, again, I know I romanticize it. I totally romanticize it. I get it. But I think that building resilience, life experience, I'm sure that you have to deal with death often, animals, just a lot that you have to face. So I think that's really cool that you get to do that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the main reasons. I mean, I was homeschooled. So that was a little bit of a segue that made it easy for us to make that decision. But, you know, living this lifestyle, it seemed like I just wanted them to be here for it. And so it made sense that the homeschooling and the homesteading goes together. And that happens for a lot of families, not everybody, but it just works because like you said, it's those life lessons. They're not always easy. Sometimes they're really, really hard, but it's a great stage for learning all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe give a brief definition of what you would define as homesteading. So there's a lot of definitions and it gets a little tricky sometimes. So the historic definition that I think prior to this homesteading boom taking off in the last few years, you know, people would think of the folks who came West around the turn of the century to get free land. And sometimes people still ask me, they're like, can you get free land? Was your land free? How did that work? And I'm like, no, I had to buy the land just like everybody else. So that's kind of a extinct definition. But the way I think of it in terms of modern day homesteading is just a group of people who are looking to simplify life and maybe cut out some of the influences of our modern industrialized culture. And that looks really different for different people. That means for some folks, they might move to the country and buy 50 acres and get a bunch of cattle and chickens. It might mean for others that they stay where they are in their suburban neighborhood and they just get back to better from scratch cooking or they learn how to grow things they just become more engaged in nature and the world around them. And so there's a lot of different places you can take it. But I think overall, it's just a mindset of kind of asking yourself, how did we get here as a modern culture? And do we need to keep all these pieces? What does a typical day look like for you? It kind of depends on the season. So right now we're buried under snow, like insane amounts of snow. And so it's a lot quieter. You know, we'll get up. The kids do chores at this point. They run the barn by themselves, basically. It's like sometimes people are like, oh, you're out there all the time milking your cows and doing your chores. And I'm like, not really. The kids are doing it. The yeah. doing it right now. So we do chores, we eat breakfast, we do our school usually till about lunch. Afternoons are free time for them. And that's when I usually do my office work. Okay. And then we reconvene and kind of sit by the fire in the evenings. Summertime, it's a lot busier because there's gardens to work on and animals being born or being dealt with. And so we're yeah. outside a lot more, but it's definitely farm centric. A lot of our day is spent around food or food production or dealing with animals or making things or creating things. So it's kind of the gist of our day. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions because, like I said, I just started following you. This is exciting for me to get to know you better. You did touch on one thing that I want to go back to. And it was actually, it was a listener question that I asked on Instagram. And one of the questions that came in was how to start with a small amount of land. And so you said with the definition of homesteading, it can look different depending on where you are in the world, or I guess what your goals are. So in regards to a small amount of land, how much land do you have? So we have 67 acres. We live in a ranching community. So that's like nothing compared to our neighbors, but compared to most homesteads, that's a lot. And it's yeah. it's honestly more than most people even need to get okay. started growing food. So I do love that question of how you can do this on small pieces of land for a couple of reasons. Number one, land is outrageous right now. And 
A lot of people who are trying to move to the country just can't because it's just outrageously high and harder to find. I figure if these skills and these ideas are so important, which they are to us as humans, we have to figure out ways to accomplish them without moving to 100 acres, right? And so I love when people are thinking outside that box and thinking, how can I bring those principles into my life where I am now? And my biggest piece of advice around that would be start with the food because we're eating three times a day. Food impacts us, how we feel, our health, our ability to move through our life. And so if you can start working on that, it gives you three opportunities a day to learn new skills, to get back to your roots, to be more connected with nature. And you can do that no matter where you live. Even if you're in an apartment in New York City, you have so much available option there. So that's a good place to start. I think that is a conviction that I have because there is interest there for us to move to some land, to have some goats, to have some chickens. But the fact is I'm not necessarily doing some of that stuff here. And so I question myself and say, is this something you're actually interested in? Or I guess, what is your main motivation in wanting all of that? Do you think that it's going to happen just because it's there now that you'll start doing it? So I think it's a challenge to people that are maybe curious or say that they want land to say, am I going to make bread from scratch? Am I going to have a vegetable garden, which we did last summer. But I think that is a challenge or conviction to me because not implementing some of these small basic things that we can do in the spaces that we already have. And there is this romanticizing of the homestead and farm life, especially on social media right now. Mm -hmm. It's not all bad. It's getting people to think outside the box. But I think it can be portraying the life is like goats in sunshine and roses all the time when there's a lot of days like I had to literally scale a drift to get to this office to record this podcast. Like it's wild. It is the Wild West. There are days things are dying. It's muddy. It's cold. It's not always like fun and beautiful, bountiful harvest of eggs and vegetables all the time. There are those days. But I think that really getting honest with yourself, like it sounds like you're doing it. Do I really want it? Do I just want the pictures? It's okay if folks like parts of it, but maybe they're not quite into it enough to move. I think you can still get a ton of benefit just taking bits and pieces and bringing them into your life where you are right now. Well, and the other challenge for myself again is how much time are we really spending outside? And so I told my husband, I'm going to try and spend as much time in the woods and in nature. This was last year to show you that we are comfortable being outside regardless of the weather. And that was something that I feel like I've proven to myself. I'm comfortable outside no matter the season. I was chicken sitting for a friend and it was really lovely the one time I did it. And then not so lovely the second time I'd done it. And I was like, oh, this is an everyday thing that I'm going to have to get up and let those chickens out if we have chickens ourselves talking about death on a farm or on a homestead, Ryan Holiday, who is the Mm -hmm. guy behind Daily Stoic, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago, and he was sharing how his family had moved to a farm and how the idea of memento mori, it's Latin for remember that you have to die. So again, a little bit more But he said, living on a farm kind of puts that at the forefront of your mind because, no, you would be faced with that reality that might not be so Instagram worthy or these things that we're seeing on social media that blind us to the fact of what the reality actually is. I think that's such a great point. And I think it's definitely the anti-romantic view, but I also think it is important because it does keep us grounded. I think our modern culture, we're too far removed from the cycles of life and death. 
And that's more comfortable for us as modern folks, but it also makes our perspective skewed. And the longer we farm and homestead and we deal with things dying, sometimes I'll have something dying in one barn and something being born in the other barn. And so it's this really overwhelming cycle of life that you're faced with continually, Mm -hmm. even right down to in the garden and understanding how soil works and microbes work and the cycle of decomposition and then new life is beautiful, but it's very humbling and it's very grounding to think, you know, someday I'll be in the soil becoming part of that life cycle. And I think it's good. It's awkward and uncomfortable sometimes, but it is a big part of it. And I think it's, I think it's healthy. And I think that people can have those thoughts and have those ruminations, even if they are living in a city, I think maybe just chewing on that, no matter where we are in our lives can be really beneficial. Kind of like Ryan talks about a lot. Well, and I think that we are removed from it because most of us do live more suburban city lifestyles at this point in time with progress. But yeah, I don't know if we ever intended to be that detached because I think that that is why it's so overwhelming for some people. The thought of death. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know we'd be talking about death. Yes. Who's this diamond in, man? Yeah. <laughs> we'll small talk but, here. <laughs> no, but that makes sense that yeah. people that are confronted with it, even in other countries, yes. they don't seem to be as nearly afraid because it's just a reality. I think another piece of that is Wendell Berry talks about specialization. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, but that was really striking to me because he talks about how we've outsourced every part of our life, just as we've gotten more progressive and modern in industrialized society. And 200 years ago, now this is fairly more, but I'm not saying I would do this, but it's something to think about. Like people would take a loved one and they would have the wake in their homes and they would dress the body and they would be with the body. And I'm sure it was horrendously difficult, but it created that sense of closure. And I think that being able to kind of process. And so again, it's not maybe not intentional, but that's tough. So we've outsourced that to people who do that for a living. And I think not that that's wrong. None of that's necessarily wrong. It's just, mm-hmm. we've gotten into that place as a modern society where when we get back to our roots and back into nature, it kind of gives us a chance to reintegrate with those pieces. That actually makes me think of that. So many of us often when we're grieving, maybe if we were more hands-on again, I'm not saying that's something that I really want to do. But maybe that, again, that detachment makes grieving and grief harder because we have this detachment that is not facing it. It's just a curious thing to start thinking about. So yeah, I agree. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as lime margarita and grapefruit paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. 
Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. For you in homesteading, what skills do you think are necessary? Kitchen skills are probably my number one. So knowing how to... I mean, again, people have different diets. I'm not saying this is across the board for everyone, but baking bread's a really big one. Learning how to cut up a whole chicken is really important. It's something a lot of people have never tried. They're used to boneless, skinless chicken breasts. So how do you debone a chicken? How do you cut up a chicken? How to prepare cuts of meat with... you know Other cuts of meat with bones in it. Just basic stuff. How to take whole ingredients and turn them into a meal. Because a lot of times when you go to the grocery store, increasingly, you know, more and more, we're being sold meals. We're sold things that are ready to eat. So how could you take the raw ingredients of the earth, whether that's meat, vegetables, potatoes, whatever, and turn that into something edible? Those are cool skills to have. Not only are they important, but like, man, when you, people don't realize when you start to like add those to your repertoire, it's really empowering. Like I totally get off on it. I get like super pumped because it feels good in a, in a society where we've kind of become accidentally helpless in our skill set. So I think that's really important. I think another important skill is having a hand in growing or producing some of your food. And I say that with the caveat that I know that not everyone can do that to a full extent, depending on where you live. But even if you can't grow a garden, grow herbs on your windowsill, grow sprouts on your kitchen counter, put something on the balcony of your apartment, just so you have your hands in the soil in some way, shape or form. And then, you know, if you're pretty limited on what you can do there, get to know the farms in your area and start connecting the ingredients you're eating to the places where they come from. And I think that really can change our perspective and how we view food, which is really important. Do you live pretty far from a grocery store or just convenience? We do. We live about 35 minutes away from the biggest town is 50,000 people, which has like Walmarts and stuff like that. So there were about 35 minutes away. It's not bad, but I definitely keep my trips to a minimum just because it takes time and it costs money to get there. Well, that's what I'm thinking too. You want to be as resourceful as you can so that you're not having to make extra trips to the grocery store, just wasting gas money and time. And so just really being intentional about your grocery list or just we're going to use this whole bird or we're going to use these scraps to make bone broth or things like that. I wanted to ask you another question that a listener had had for you. And you're talking a lot about how, yes, you can outsource some of these things to your kids at this point, but you are also in charge of a lot. And the listener was asking about 
relaxation and what does it look like for you maybe on the day-to-day or how often do you feel like you're actually fully relaxing? That's a good question. And that is a a hard topic for me because we do have a lot of irons in the fire. And so juggling that over the years has been a moving target. I think for me right now in this stage of life, the biggest things has been, well, three things, saying no ruthlessly. I really hate disappointing people, but sometimes I just, you just have to do it to make sure the things that I'm doing are something I'm really, really excited about and not just out of obligation. Number two, I have to schedule in relaxation just like I would a dentist appointment or something else. Because if I just try to let it happen, it just doesn't. I'll even sabotage myself where I subconsciously am like, oh, you can take that afternoon off, but then I end up squeezing work in or checking my phone too much or doing something that just doesn't make it feel very relaxing. And then I think the other piece for me, and maybe this is just how I'm wired, I'm more of the type A type personality, although I think that all of us have this in us to a certain degree, is that I tend to relax more deeply when I'm partaking in what I like to call active relaxation versus just vegging on the couch. And I still veg on the couch sometimes, don't get me wrong. But like on a Sunday, I try, try to take Sundays off. And so instead of just saying, well, I'm going to lay on the couch all day, and then I usually feel kind of icky by the end of the day because it just I just don't feel great. Scheduling in activities where I'm gently moving my body, doing something enjoyable, like working in the garden, not hard labor, just like weeding gently or walking around outside or riding my horse or things like that. I tend to feel more thoroughly recharged mentally and physically from those activities than just scrolling on my phone for three hours. And so it's kind of that balance of scheduling that in as well and still time just to read a book and be quiet. Absolutely. And with everything that you're doing, how do you stay organized on your homestead? Again, you have a little bit grander of a situation going on than maybe someone like myself that's trying to attempt some of these things. But how do you stay organized? One thing I do like to say is I do have employees for my businesses. I don't want anyone to think I'm just super momming it because I'm not. I totally have help. So my business has got to a point a couple of years ago where I'm like, this has to be a team event. And so just so people know, I'm not doing all on my own. But for the rest of it, I try to focus on things seasonally. And that's why I feel like balance is not the best word to describe what I do. Because there are times where my garden is super on. And then there are times when it's super not organized. And so like right now, because it's winter time, there are parts of my life, I'm not riding my horse. I'm not gardening. My greenhouse is a disaster, but I'm baking a lot. I'm doing a lot of sourdough. In the summertime, I do basically no baking, no sourdough. And so it's focusing on the things that are seasonal or that are priority right now. And then sometimes I just have to put the rest on the back burner. When I try to keep them all going equally, I crash and burn generally in a spectacular way. What is your purpose with homesteading? What was your intention behind choosing to go off grid and start this type of lifestyle? I know you said you felt like you were a different kid, but what is your purpose? What is your priority? And why is this something that you'll continue to do? It's shifted over the years as my awareness has deepened. Initially, I was just about the food. I couldn't get the food I wanted. I couldn't get the raw milk. I couldn't get the organic stuff. We just didn't have it in Wyoming. And so it was, oh, I'm just going to grow my own food. But as we progressed down this lifestyle, I kind of had to come to this point where the food became available because we had more producers come into Wyoming. And then also our budget changed so I could afford to buy the food I couldn't afford previously. And so I had to make that choice of why am I doing this? And that moment came a number of years ago where it was like, well, do I ditch the homestead and focus solely on my businesses and let that be my passion project? Or do we continue the homestead like in this path that we've been on? It wasn't a hard choice to continue on with the homesteading just because as I've become more understanding of really what this lifestyle entails. It's really what keeps us grounded. I think it's what can keep a lot of humans grounded. And it just reminds us of kind of where we are in the bigger picture of things. It makes sure that we're staying connected to nature and the processes around us that are really easy to lose in our modern world. And there's just something about it that I think for that reason, I'll always partake.
partake in this lifestyle, even if when it makes our life a little more complicated, because I, I think it's really important. We really need that. I'm reading a book right now and it's called 4,000 Weeks and it's about busyness. And the author was writing about how in the past people weren't busy because the cows are always going to need milk. The chickens were always going to need let out or there were things to do in people's lifestyles that were going to be there the next morning. You never could check it off your list. Those are things that every day, several times a day had to be done. And so it was just like, we're going to get to these things. We're going to have a nice meal together at the end of the day maybe read, crochet, whatever it is that you want to do, knit, play some games together, talk together, actually just go to sleep in a reasonable hour. And then we're going to do it the next day. It just had to do with a simpler time, I guess, in comparison to our busy that we feel now with things that we have to get done because those things have to get done. Those animals need to be taken care of. It's just like the mindset behind it that has shifted in what matters. I totally agree with that. And I think with our modern world and our modern schedules, it's so much outward focus too. It's out, 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 and it's running, running, running. And especially as parents, there's all that pressure to have your kids and all the activities are, oh my gosh, they're going to get behind. And I think that kind of bringing it back a little more home-centric, and I think that happened with our ancestors by default because they had to milk the cow and they had to check the garden and all that. But if we can kind of mimic those concepts, I think it's good for us. I think it's good for our families and it's good for our homes and it helps us not feel so frenetic all the time. Yeah. I mean, even think about the seasons, like you were talking about with your garden right now, our garden is non-existent because it's freezing outside. But then when we start planting and things begin to bloom and they need tending to looking to nature for the cycles of our life is also very helpful. I think very, even in regards to like feminine cycles, if you look to uh, an episode about your period and eating for your period and how we're different four times a month, there's these four different weeks throughout the month that we are literally different based upon our cycles. So I just think getting more attuned with that, we could live richer lifestyles. I absolutely agree. Yep. Well, Jill, did you have any other word of encouragement you wanted to leave with listeners before we wrap this up? Yeah. I just say, if you're drawn to this lifestyle, just know that it's possible. Pieces of it are possible no matter where you live. You don't need the farm and the goats necessarily to partake. If you want to get the farm and the goats, I'll be your biggest cheerleader. But I, I want you to feel like these pieces and a lot of these really joyful aspects of it are available to people no matter where you live. It just is those choices that you're making and what you're eating and what you're cooking. And there's a lot of fun to be had when you start diving into it. Absolutely. Well, Jill, where can listeners connect with you online? And you said you have a new book coming out in the fall. I do. Yeah. So you can find me over on Instagram. That's where I'm pretty active. I'm jill.winger. I have the prairiehomestead.com for all of my homesteading tutorials and blog posts and recipes. And then I do have a new book coming out September. It's called Old Fashioned on Purpose. And it's kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about today. It's eight principles that anyone can adopt to bring that old fashioned idea, way of life into what they're doing now, no matter where they live and kind of examining how as a culture we got off track and then how we can get back. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you two quick questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource in your life that you'd like to share with the listeners? I've just been really reading a lot of books lately, like paper books, highlighting them, writing notes in them, total old school. But that has been... Fiction? Nonfiction. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with fiction. I'm just, I just can't ever get into fiction. So it's like just nonfiction books that are like getting into deep topics, just really chewing on things. And that's been bringing so much good stuff into my life and my brain here in this season. My last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? What I'm really like nerding out over lately is beef tallow. I started rendering it like a decade ago, but I kind of like rediscovered it. And I've been, I made soap with it again a couple nights ago. I've been using it on my face 
And we were shooting my book cover and I had a makeup artist doing my makeup last week. And she's like, what are you moisturizing with? Oh my gosh, your skin is so amazing. And I'm like, be fat. I'm moisturizing with be fat. She was not expecting that answer. But it talk about minimalist. Like I have wiped out all the other products in my bathroom besides the beef tallow as far as moisturizers and stuff. So it's sustainable. It works. It's just super fun. So I'm totally nerding out over that lately. Okay. So is that something that we could buy somewhere where or you have this? So what about... I? So you can make it yourself, but you can totally buy it. There's a gal, I friends with her, her name's Emily Toops. And she has a little store called Toops and Co. And she makes beef tallow balms for your face, your hands. It's really luxurious feeling. And it's just so cool because it doesn't smell gross at all. It smells like super amazing. She has frankincense and all sorts of essential oils in there, but it works really well. So if you don't want to make it yourself, you can totally buy it and skip the rendering process, which gets a little bit messy sometimes. Cool. Well, I'll be sure to include that in the show notes as well. That sounds great. Yes. Well, Jill, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing about your homesteading life. It sounds, again, I know I romanticize it, but it does sound lovely and I love following along with you. So I hope people check you out. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.